I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's guest is a author, graphic designer, schlock junkie, all-around nice guy. He is the author of Hero Gets Girl, The Dark Age, and most recently, The Monster Mash, the creepy, kooky monster craze in America from 1957 to 1972. I first met him at the counterculture moment, the watershed moment of my life, 1989, when the film Batman hit cinema theaters, and I was hooked. I was completely mesmerized by Michael Keaton's performance. I had Batman t-shirts, I had Batman socks, I had Batman underwear. I was all over the place. And I'm on vacation with my family in Seattle City, and I'm on the beach, and I'm drawing pictures in the sand with seashells of Batman and, I believe, Frankenstein's monster. And someone sitting next to us or laying out on the beach next to us says, Hey, man, I like to draw, too. So he starts to draw... And immediately, I mean, I'm like, this guy's really good. I mean, there was a maybe 20-year difference, I believe. But uh, I said to myself, wow, this guy is a true artist. This is who I want to be one day. Um, my parents got his contact information. And over the next several years, I would receive packages in the mail of uh, newspaper articles that he had written, comic book, cartoon strips that he had done, and just basically a, a plethora of pop culture. So like before the internet was even invented, Today's guest was my only source of media, my only source of uh, just, you know, entertainment. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Bobcast, Mr. Mark Voger. Thank you very much, Bob. That, that was a, a very sweet uh, introduction. I do remember I do remember that day very clearly. Uh, Batman was in the air. People don't remember, 1989 was like Batman summer. He came back, you know? Yeah. And uh, he was everywhere, you know? It, it was... It was like 1966 all over again, which which was my my Batman growing up when I was eight years old, Adam West. So I, I was like just flipped out, and I, I remember you had a Batman T-shirt on even that day. Yes, I did. I, I was hooked. I mean, I I, I never forget it. I, it was like. Uh... I remember watching the news and seeing people lined up at the theater, just thinking, "This is it. This is the moment," you know. But. Um, yeah, that was a, a chance, you know, encounter, and I'm glad that that happened. And like I said, I mean, you were the internet before the internet existed. Well, thanks, Bob. I mean, it, was, it really was fun, you know, keeping in touch. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I have a nephew who's a filmmaker, uh, Ian, Ian Vogelstock, and he, he was a, he's a little younger than you, I think, Bob. And, and he was another guy who was, uh, he was all about, uh, well, the turtles, which I, the Ninja Turtles, which I wasn't into, but he was really into Batman. So it just, really fun i mean it was like it was like being friends with little kids like uh you know because like like I, I couldn't talk to a lot of adults my age about <laughs> batman but i could talk to you guys about batman and the penguin and all the, the joker and all those cool dudes i know that's that's exactly where i'm at now in my life where like i i'm like i i don't know who to talk to about these great things but uh since that time you've done some great stuff uh this weekend you're appearing in ashbury park new jersey at the groovy graveyard um, from the looks of it, I mean, it looks like a fantastic event. Can you tell the audience what's going on out there? Well, sure. Um, it, yeah, it's called um, the um, Super Shock Show, and uh, it's like a sort of a horror-themed, you know, g- given the uh, season, a horror-themed 
almost like comic book convention uh, on, on a smaller scale, though. It's not a, a convention. But there's going to be a lot of guests. There's, there's like, I think there's going to be like 12 or 15 people. And um, uh, Robert Bruce, of course, everybody knows from uh, AMC's uh, Comic Book Man. And uh, uh, one of the co-creators of a, of a magazine that's really popular here in New Jersey called uh, Weird New Jersey. And um, Mark Moran and uh, a, a fellow named Craig Yo is going to be there, and uh, I, I'm, I can't wait to meet him. He's uh, got such a history. worked worked for Disney, um, at, but he's a publisher of like a lot of really weird books about. Like he digs up uh, uh, old comics from the past, like weird romance comics, and you know horror and and, and, things, and horror comics and things like that. You know, and uh, and he puts out these beautiful volumes, you know. Uh, so he's, he's an he's a editor-publisher also. And uh, so I'm looking forward to meeting Craig. And uh, it's a lot of cool people, you know, um, a, a lot of cool local people and uh, artists. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it, I'm looking forward to it. Plus, uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, it's free admission, so there's no reason not to go if you're living in the area. Um, Hot Rod Hitmakers, also the Junk Rumblers, will be uh, performing. Are they a band? Yeah, they're really cool. Um, I, I did a great groovy graveyard appearance uh, a year back when Monster Mash was uh, first out and uh, at, at Groovy Graveyard. So this is like a sequel a year later, but on a much bigger scale. And the Junk Rumblers were uh, just really cool guys. You know, they they were. Uh, you know, it's funny because they play rockabilly, and rockabilly. Uh, my book uh, is is uh, focused on the period from the late '50s on uh, to the to the early '70s, and. Uh, it, rockabilly is 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 like was sort of like the soundtrack of monster films back then because when you watch the movie like Frankenstein's Daughter, there'd be a rock band in it, or uh, you know like uh, uh, Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow. They'd be you know there'd be all these like fifties rock bands, like low level bands, not not Chuck Berry or Bo Diddley. They'd mm-hmm. be like Here Today, Gone Tomorrow band. But when you hear when I hear rockabilly to this day. It, it makes you think of those early, cheap, black-and-white, independent horror films. So the book, Monster Mash, The Creepy Kooky Monster Craze in America, um, it's uh, from Tomorrow, Tomorrow's Publishing. It's 192 pages in color. It's a hardback. Um, when did you start like compiling? I know that you know from our relationship that you've always enjoyed this particular era, but what made you want to put out this book? Yeah, I know, Bob, because we were drawing Frankenstein and as well as Batman that day. But... Um, I, I guess, you know, I guess all my life I've, I've wanted to do a book about this period once I got old enough to kind of look back on it. And um, I first started, uh, the first interview that I did that appears in the book was, was 1989. I, I went to Greenwich Village to uh, a restaurant called Grandpa's Bella Gente, an, an Italian restaurant owned and operated by Al Lewis, who played Grandpa Munster on The Munsters. And... Um, you know, I called him first, and I said, is, that, is, is there a day that Al's going to be there? And he said, they said, oh, he's, you never know. He's there all the time. We were in the city anyway to, uh, to do an interview with Mick Ronson, uh, and um, so we just buzzed down. There he was, and he gave us an interview, posed for pictures, and uh, that was like the seed that planted Monster Mash. And then since, since then, uh, I've you know, interviewed a lot of the, of the you know, movers and shakers in, in the uh, Monster Craze era, like uh, uh, Zachary, who was a TV horror host, still alive, age 97, 
And oh, uh, wow, I remember. Yeah, what was the name of his show? Well, his uh, his show is called Shock Theater. Um, yes, he was in Philadelphia, where where uh, you and I both grew up in the in the Philadelphia uh, TV uh, viewing area. Um, although you were too young to remember Doctor Shock, which was my hero, but um, Zachary was in uh, Philadelphia for one year in 1957 to 1958. Then he moved to New York, and then he sort of became like like uh, everybody's horror movie host. But and then Jim Warren and Forrest Ackerman, who created famous monsters of Filmland magazine, which was a big influence back then, and influenced people like Stephen King and, and Steven Spielberg uh, and George Lucas. And uh, Tom Savini, and then um, the Monster Model Kids uh, artist uh, James Bama. You know, so I just talked to all these guys, and just just sort of been collecting this stuff for you know about thirty years before I, I put it into final form. So uh, if you scroll down, ladies and gentlemen, you can take a look at a trailer that um, was it your ne- your nephew. The he made this trailer. Oh, Bob! Thanks for putting it up. Yeah, please look at it. It's really I think it's really cool if you're into monsters. It's uh, yeah, I. What I did was I just sent all the all the art to my nephew, and I sent him all the clips of movies that I would have liked, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we did. My brother and I, who's we're musicians, uh, well, we're amateur musicians. I hasten to add, uh, we we put together the the uh, theme song for it. And then my nephew, God bless him, um, he uh, he put it into final form, and it's a, I think it's a real kick if you're into classic monsters. So please have a look. So classic monsters, I mean. I remember, I guess my dad showed me, like, you know, age three, Dracula, Frankenstein. Um, my earliest memory, I, I believe, of being completely mesmerized was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. And from what I recall, this is also one of the, your favorite films as well, right? Yeah, and I remember, I, and if, if memory serves, your brother, uh, your brother Sam, it's, it's, uh, it was his favorite when he was a little kid anyway. Yeah, we, we loved it. We absorbed yeah, it. Yeah, favorite i mean i um uh I, i'm i am kind of very like i i always feel like i'm an eight-year-old in a you know now a 58 year old body but um i always feel like a like a kid you know like my favorite television show is leave it to beaver and just you know um i i, I still dig you know the banana split you know whatever but um <laughs> yeah uh adam Selmy frankenstein is 1948 it's just a magical movie it was the first monster movie i ever saw um, I, they didn't show him too much uh, when I was really little. They, they started showing him later. And so this was the first one. And the weird thing about it was that I had never seen one, but I had seen all these photos of Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman. I'd seen them on the covers of Famous Monsters. I'd seen them on the box art of Aurora model kits. So, and then when I finally saw this movie, it was like, those, it was like all that come to life. I mean, Lugosi was the, was the definitive Dracula. Glenn Strange, to me, was was what Frankenstein exactly looked like. And, of course, there was only one Wolfman, God bless him, Lon Chaney Jr. So it was it was like watching the, the, the model kids come to life or the magazines come to life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a question, maybe you know this because I, I never really put two and two together. Why, okay, so Glenn Strange, his version of Frankenstein, especially in that opening sequence when they're um, delivering the crate, I mean, he really, you know, he encompasses the role, but um, why was um, Karloff not involved? Uh, well, um, uh, I mean, I, that's like an almost, don't get me started topic. I, I, I have Karloff's entire life and career memorized. Well, basically, he was, he was done with it by then. That was 1948. 
he played the monster three times, and I'll try not to get too detail-oriented. Frankenstein, 1931, Bride of Frankenstein, 1935, Son of Frankenstein, 1939. Then he was done playing the monster. But he did appear in a Frankenstein movie uh, after that, uh, House of Frankenstein, 1944. But he was pretty much done with it. He was done with it, yeah. Yeah. Um, They got Glenn Strange. That was actually his third movie. In fact, his first movie was the one that Karloff was in, House of Frankenstein, 1944. Glenn Strange, who was was a Western star, um, played the monster, and Karloff was a mad scientist who revived him. So Glenn Strange always said for the rest of his life oh, wow. that Boris Karloff was the sweetest man and taught him uh, a lot about how to play the monster, you know. And um, so, so Glenn Strange... But the reason... Karloff gave the best performance. Uh, that's undeniable. But Glenn Strange looked to me like Frankenstein he did. when I was a kid. His was the face that they put on all the marketing. So it was just that Frankenstein to me, that face of Glenn Strange. So the film... Abnegastella means Frankenstein. Ladies and gentlemen, first off, if you've never seen it, and right now we're in the midst of the ho- Halloween season, uh, rent it on Amazon, uh, find it somewhere online, watch it. Uh, there's so many great moments in it. Uh, the things that stand out to me the most, uh, the Wolfman transformation sequence within, uh, I believe it's like a hotel room. I-, I thought that was like brilliant. That hooked me. Um, most recently, it popped back up into my life because um, my son, who's uh, almost nine months old, I've got so many nicknames for him, and all of a sudden one day I start calling him McDougal. And McDougal is uh, Abbott and Costello's boss, I believe, who's telling them to deliver the crate in the beginning. But, you know, fantastic movie. Um, they went on to make a couple different ones, too. They did uh, Abbott and Costello meets uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I remember. They were like chimney sweepers. That's another great one. But um, So this comes out in 1948, right? So then, yeah. like, in the era that your book... Um, describes the creepy kooky monster craze 57 what was the tonal shift in films from you know the classic Universal Studios monsters to this new era which encompassed all these different types of elements well you know, I mean that's, that's a great uh, question because because um, it, I, it's very interesting I think um, 19, uh, that movie Abbott Selby Frankenstein was, was the last uh, film made with the uh, ever with the, you know, original uh, classic Universal Monsters, you know. That's the last one they, that Universal made. And, uh, you know, mo- monsters were monsters were passe by the end of the 40s. One of the reasons is, um, you know, the, the Nazi atrocities were uh, were being shown in, in uh, movie theaters in, in these things called newsreels, which were like the precursor of, of um, you know, TV news. And, um, they, they were really showing this, this horrible stuff in the newsreels, and it, it, it just got to the point where, um, you know, who, who could be afraid of a painted monster when the monsters of real life are, are so much more terrible? So, so the, the tack that, that that movies took was um, sort of like a sci-fi tack. Um, the, the first, you know, biggie was um, uh, The Thing from Another World, 1951, um, which was um, secretly directed by Howard Hawks, who's a great director. And so it's, a, it was, it, it's considered one of the great science fiction films. But all, the, all those black and white sci-fi films of the 50s, a lot of them had giant bugs, like uh, you know, Tarantula and Them and The Beginning of the End had giant grasshoppers. And they were usually caused by radiation and usually fought by the military. So the, the, the thing was, it was reflecting the, the zeitgeist at the time because 
this is you know during the the Cold War, the Red Scare, and so people were afraid of communists, and people were afraid of uh, of atomic war. So the so the movies became sort of about those things, about you know, uh, and, and so classic monsters were out of favor, like through the through the entire decade until this little explosion happened in '57. So, like, if you could pick, like, three films from this, this era, like, that are, you know, the definitive ones to watch. I mean, in the book, I mean, I, I imagine there's several different uh, aspects of it, but, I mean, what stands out to you as being, like, you know, this, you got to check this film out? Well, I'm a corny guy, so, um, like, I, I like, like, cheesy stuff, and, and that 50s period wasn't my favorite, because I, I am into, like, the classic monsters, but um, if, I were, if I were recommending so that, for, for your information, like for your edification, I'd say, yeah, things from another world. It's it's a crafted film. It's great. But in my heart of hearts, I actually prefer Beginning of the End, which has the giant grasshoppers, because, Bob, it's so cheesy. I mean, they, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they have a, a scene where the grasshoppers are crawling up a building, but the building is just a photograph, and it's just, you know, shot at an angle with real grasshoppers crawling up this photograph, and at one point, the, one of the grasshoppers you know, jumps on the sky. So I like the cheesy ones. I like, um, yeah, beginning of the end and um, uh, the monster that challenged the world. It's just awful, but you know, it's it's like funny. These are the kind of movies that that the kids on Leave It to Beaver used to go see. This like um, it's it's making me think now because all right, so like putting into perspective the timeline of events, monsters went away, newsreels were influencing what audiences were watching. And I can't help but think, you know, right now in modern time, we are, I guess, experiencing a, a similar situation. We're, we're in the midst of the superhero film boom. Uh, everyone's trying to, you know, check out whatever Marvel or DC puts out. But um, recently, I mean, I've been reading a lot that Universal Studios is now trying to um, reinvent themselves with the Universal Studios monsters. They're trying to... Um, uh, they they just filmed the Mummy with Tom Cruise, uh, not as the Mummy, but Tom Cruise as the main um, protagonist, which to me is just I, I I can't imagine that Tom Cruise like why he did it, but I mean hopefully that these new films that come out with Russell Crowe as Doctor Jekyll, um, perhaps Javier Bardem is in negotiations right now to be Frankenstein's monster. It seems to me as if the monsters are going to make a return, and they really couldn't come at a better time. When, I mean, if you turn on, uh, I guess, like any, you know, news station, you know, we're, de- we're in the middle of a debate with, uh, I guess, modern day monsters, you know, <laughs> like uh, the way that they're describing the world and how it is. What are your thoughts on Universal bringing back the classics? Well, well Bob, I'm, I'm, I'm not hopeful just because, um, well, like, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that Tom Cruise was going to be in the new Mommy movie, but like, right off the bat, it, it sounds like the kiss of death, you know, like... <laughs> But don't forget, I'm 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 an, I'm an old guy now. But uh, I don't know. They just they just always like they're doing it because it, it, everybody went nuts because of the Avengers. Uh, how the Avengers thing worked out, you know. They Marvel did that thing where they put out a Thor, they put out a Captain America, you know. Um, and then they and then they put out the Avengers, and it was a big hit. And, and, and you know, and an Iron Man. I forgot to mention Iron Man. And then they then they found that they could even still put out like an Iron Man movie after the Avengers and a Captain America movie, like, it's all, like, braided and, you know, and Avengers was such a big hit. And that's what Hollywood is. It's follow the leader. It's 
they just they just won a blockbuster. So once the Avengers hit, yeah, they announced they were going to do um, the Universal Monsters, but they they said they were going to put the guys in charge who did um, God, it was um, Transformers. It was, it was uh, the guy who did Fast and the Furious and another guy who did Transformers. Mm-hmm. You might know their name. Orky, I think, is one name is or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Something See, like to that. Me, nothing, nothing less than digging up uh, James Whale and Roland V. Lee and uh, Earl C. Kenton and Charles Barton and then reanimating them just like Dr. Frankenstein would, would do. Like, I'm just such a traditionalist and such a nostalgic cat that I just know they're going to ruin it. I just know they're, well, you know, it's going to be more about Tom Cruise and the mummy and and it's going to be, this is my guess, and they're going to update, update them. There's going to be like, crazy special effects. Like, to me, I still love those old Universal films. Like, the, the special effects were so imaginative and, and you know, by today's standards, uh, yeah, sure, they weren't as, as great as the Transformers, but to me, they're better, you know, because they were, they, they were, you could believe them and there was no digital, you know, it's just like, you know, you saw actual electricity and it was just really cool. It was, it was in your mind, you know, a lot of it. I'm worried that they're going to update the monsters, make them, just like they did in superheroes, make them bigger, meaner, uglier, and make it lots of special effects, and just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not hopeful, but, but you sound hopeful, and I don't want to rain No, I, I, I'm the same way, I mean, like, to me, it's like, you know, I get why they're doing it, it's also, you know, the whole, the shared universe, and like how, you know, it, it's a franchise, it's a moneymaker, but it's also a property that not only, you know, my generation, your generation, my parents' generation, everyone can relate to it because they remember when they saw the Universal Studios monsters and, like, you know, the images of, you know, Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, the mummy. I mean, they're just classics. I mean, to me, what I would have done, I would have um, I would have superimposed Karloff, like, got the rights to Lugosi and, and brought them back. I mean, they can do that now with CGI. Like, I think that would be interesting in itself, but I know they would never go for it just because... I mean, now the mummy is—I um, forget the actress's name—but the mummy is now portrayed by a female actress, which is something new. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they do. I hope that you know it comes off in the right tone. I remember years ago um, they announced uh, online that uh, Hugh Jackman was going to be Van Helsing, and I was like, "Oh, this this could be great." And I remember going to the theater and just being like, "No, this is not great." <laughs> you know, like it was just so drenched in computer graphics and like the finale sequence is just it's it's kind of hard to watch but um i do enjoy um certain films that are coming out now like horror films like modern times you know the low budget that are going for the scares without the use of cgi and just making it practical i I think that there's a couple filmmakers out there right now they're doing a good job with it so i mean it is a genre that you know people can relate to people love being scared i tell people all the time you know, it's actually healthy to be scared. It raises your heartbeat, and it's a, it's a healthy exercise. So get into a theater, go see a horror movie. Uh, unfortunately, my wife doesn't like horror movies, so I go to the theater now quite a bit by myself to watch the latest horror movie, which I don't mind at all. Um, switching things over. Uh, so on the beach that day, we were drawing Frankenstein's monster. We were drawing Batman. The other side of Mark, Mark Vogler's universe is that he also enjoys superheroes. I mean, he put out a book called Hero Gets Girl a few years ago. Um, superheroes, I mean, it's amazing to me, like, what happened. You know, like, a lot of people, Kevin Smith will always talk about, you know, how, like, you know, what was really um, 
corny or being a nerd in the early 90s for liking comics is now something that's cool. For me, it was exciting when the, the Avengers came out, uh, Iron Man came out first, and, you know, they, they start putting out these films. Um, Batman is a topic on the Bobcast that we talk, out, talk about quite a bit. So, the Christian Bale films, the three, the trilogy that Nolan put out, for me right now, I miss those films. I was very critical of them when they came out. I think The Dark Knight's a really great movie. Dark Knight Rises definitely has its issues. I mean, cable access in, the, in a dungeon cave in the middle of nowhere didn't make any sense to me. But what I'm trying to get at is the new Batman. I'm anxious to know, what are your thoughts on Ben Affleck as the Cape Crusader? Well, Bob, it's, it's, it's really funny that you should ask that because um, I'm the kind of guy, um, I'm, I'm really, I, I, all my life since they started you know, putting out these movies, which I think began with eight, in 89, I was always really loyal to characters. So I went to see the Flintstones. I even went to see, <coughs> pardon me, uh, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, you know. I even went to see Catwoman with Halle Berry. Like, I went to see, like, er whenever I was uh, loyal to a character, I, I would go to see it. And I saw every Batman movie in the theater, <coughs> including all three Christian Bales. And... This was the, when, when it was Batman v Superman over the summer. It was the first time that I sat one out. I just, I, I thought, like, I gotta go. I've seen every single one of them in the theater. You know, going back to 1966, I saw that in a drive-in, you know, when it came out. So I have to go. And week, weeks turned into months, and then finally I realized, I guess I'm not going to see this. And I really do think the reason was, uh, I don't know, well, I just didn't care anymore. Like, I mean, and then... Ben Affleck, I, I, if that's how you pronounce his name, or maybe it's Affleck, um, I, I really, I really think he's um, not such a not such a hot actor. Um, uh, I don't know. I just, I just didn't go, and then I didn't go to um, Suicide Squad, and um, which I, which uh, I, you know, I, I found out he was in playing Batman again, but in a small part. So I like just just recently just like just pulled out. So I have I have no um, firsthand knowledge of how that movie turned out. I even went to see Man of Steel. I got that far. But I just finally just said, I, I'm done. You know, like, so, um, so I really don't know. My, my, my little brother saw it, and he, he actually said it was the worst movie he ever saw in his life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had a very similar, um, I mean, I've seen every single Batman film since 89 with my father, and we've enjoyed each and every one of them, and I remember sitting in the theater with him and within the first 15 minutes, I looked over at him. I was like, I can't believe that they messed this up, you know? And, like, I have been attacked on Twitter. I've been attacked different multimedia social platforms about me defending Batman. And I wrote an article about it just basically saying that this isn't the Batman that I'll show my son. This is not the definitive version. Um, I agree, too, that Ben Affleck, you know, his acting... See, a lot of people say, oh, he's a great Bruce Wayne. Great, but Bruce Wayne is Batman. You know what I mean? Like, Batman's pretending to be Bruce Wayne, not the other way around. You know what I mean? And, like, for me, the film was a major disappointment. Um, I, I really had high hopes for DC Comics, you know, launching, you know, the, the multi-universe. And I, I didn't necessarily mind Man of Steel. I thought it had some interesting plot points. I especially liked the Krypton sequence, which is something we've never seen before. But it was just... It's just so hard to be a Batman fan in film right now, you know? 
Uh, you haven't missed anything if you, if you haven't seen it. Um, Suicide Squad uh, is a little bit more enjoyable, I would say, as far as like popcorn film goes. I mean, I'm a huge Joker fan, and the only drawback to this film is that the Joker is not in it. Uh, I believe he has 11 to 12 minutes of screen time total. Um, now they're putting out an extended cut edition where they're saying, oh, there'll be more Joker, but I mean, why didn't you give it to us in the first place, you know? And also these films are being produced without the, the script being, you know, like I read that the David Ayer, the director, writer of Suicide Squad, wrote it like a month or two, like finished writing it a few months before production even began. And, you know, it has its, its problems and it was critically lauded across the multimedia. Uh, people just didn't like it. But yeah, I did see on your blog, there's an entry, uh, why I set out Batman vs. Superman, you click on it. And you scroll down, and it just says Ben Affleck, and that's it. I thought that was great. Yeah, my my, my two word blog post. Yeah, I like that though. I mean, that's this like to the point. I was like, oh, he's 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 on board board with me. But I mean, like now it's it's gotten to the point where I just feel as if we'll have to wait, like you know, another generation or two to get another Batman that you know we like, you know. And uh, also too, I mean, any way around it, you know, people are saying, oh, well, Batman killed people in Batman Returns. He dropped the the ball, the bomb on people. But I mean, like in this film, like he's just brutal and there's no real explanation. Oh, he's tired. But like, come on, he's Batman. You know what I mean? Like they, they also try to say that the film, Ben Affleck recently came out and said that the film reminds him of the tone of The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, which I, I really, I mean, there might have been a couple of iconic moments in it where you see Batman in a pose, but to me, it didn't have any of those elements. Um, are you aware that... Um, Adam West and Burt Ward uh, reprised their roles in uh, a new Batman animated movie. Oh yeah, I didn't. Uh, is it going to be theatrical, Bob? It was on theatrical Tuesday night. I didn't. I didn't go to it. Um, it was a Fathom events, but I, I believe it'll be out on DVD uh, in the next few ah. weeks. Um, I did go see uh, the Killing Joke, which was uh, out at the end of August, and I have to say that I, I was completely. I couldn't understand why they, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but they added in a 40-minute prequel to The Killing Joke where Batman um, has a relationship, a sexual relationship with Batgirl, which the filmmakers believed would elevate um, her arc in the book when Joker paralyzes her, which I thought was totally inappropriate. Um so, you know, like on all Batman fronts right now, I'm just like, come on, where's, like, even in the books that are coming out, and no, I'm not trying to talk trash on Scott Snyder, but it's the, the, the comic books themselves um, I, I, I pulled out on recently just because I've been collecting, I stopped, I guess, when I was a teenager, and I started again in my 20s, and I, I bought all the 52s, I loved all the 52s, and then it started to get like, you know, it wasn't about Batman, it was about everything but, so we need Batman back, you know? Wow. Well, here's here's my dream for Batman. But Bob, it's, it's, it, I, I I think it's just uh, it's just my crazy corniness. But to me, I would say, um, okay, uh, I would go to um, uh, who was Austin Powers? Uh, play Austin Mike Powers. Myers. Mike Myers. Thank you. I go to Mike Myers and say, okay, you you um, you develop the script and you direct it and you play a villain. Um, maybe Mad Hatter would be good for you. And then uh, make it in the style of the 1966 Batman. Because he could pull that off because he did such a great job on the Austin Powers movies. And then I already know who should play Batman. It's um, Will Arnett. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He mm -hmm. was Job on um, 
uh, Arrested Development. And, uh, and, and I, I've been saying this for years because one day I heard him say, in a, in a show, I heard him call somebody my fine feathered friend. And I thought, wow, that's just the way Adam West would have said that to like the Penguin or something. And then, and then I thought, wow, he'd be great because he's funny. And then, of course, weirdly enough, he he voices Batman um, in the in the Lego movie, which he's looks great, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Like they did funny stuff with Batman in the Lego movie that I like better than the real Batman movie. I, I like the idea. I, I think that any interpretation is better than what's going on now. I mean, they they did just wrap Justice League, so we're going to see Aquaman. We're going to see Flash. Um, the TV shows, actually, I just watched on Monday night. Um, the CW um, brought over Supergirl, and there was a new uh, incarnation of Superman played by an actor I, I wasn't aware of who also was Teen Wolf. And it was it was great to see a Superman who was like lighthearted. It reminded me of Lois and Clark. Um, the, the show itself has some issues, uh, you know, pacing wise, but it was nice to see him. I, have you seen that new Superman? No, I, I, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm so weird. I just live in the past. Um, I'm literally binge watching Leave It to Beaver as we speak. Like like that's what I've been watching for like the last couple months. But um, no, I, I I don't even watch like. Uh, broadcast television at all or, or cable television I just like I just have like you know thousands of DVDs and I just watch old movies old TV shows like I'm just like out of touch I, uh, Bob as, as I you know I'm not on Facebook I don't have an iPhone I'm just like I'm, I'm, I'm this close to growing the beard and moving into the shack <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that I have a friend his name's uh, Ryan and he is my age but he refuses to watch anything new I was like in the summer I was like yeah, you got to check out Stranger Things. It's a great 80s, you know, retrospective of, you know, I guess the culture. Then he's like, nah, Bob, I'm watching Fright Night. And I'm like, <laughs> he, he refuses to watch anything that's not a VHS tape, which I can admire because those films were, you know, really well done, you know, for that time. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is recently you recorded a track. You're still a musician, right? Like, you, you, you and your brother still jam. And From the Heart is something that you guys did, which um, benefits Stevens Walk. Can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for bringing that up, Bob. Yeah, my brother and I um, did, did an, an album, uh, you know, a CD, and it, uh, which, is, which is so old school, nobody does CDs anymore. But um, it's called From the Heart, and um, yeah, it benefits uh, Stevens Walk, which is a, uh, a group uh, named after a brave young man uh, named Stephen Potter, who... Uh, living with um, spinal muscular atrophy, SMA. It's an insidious disease. It's the, uh, the number one genetic cause of infant death. And, um, you know, he put up a brave fight. He's, uh, uh, you know, he, he just started college last year, and uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's fighting it, you know. So um, uh, the, the CD we put out is uh, 14 original songs and uh, a lot of guest stars who are... Um, if anybody out there wants to know what a what a New Jersey bar band sounds like, uh, we have like all the lights of um, the New Jersey bar band scene on the record, such as uh, uh, Billy Hector, uh, who's the godfather of the blues in New Jersey, and a, a guy named uh, Matt O'Ree, uh, who you know recently got back from touring the world with Bon Jovi. He's, he's uh, Bon Jovi's guitar, uh, touring guitarist, uh, and um, uh, you know Reggie Wu, who's in a 
uh, this, this uh, band called Heaven's Edge. That was uh, an 80s band, you know, like, he was a local hero for us because Stephen Vai introduced his uh, his video on, on uh, Headbangers Ball on MTV in, uh, like, 1990, you know. And uh, uh, a, guy, a, a guy named um, uh, Ron Howden, who is the... Uh, drummer for uh, the prog rock band Nectar, who, they, they go back to the 70s, they were like, you know, right up there with, uh, you know, King Crimson and Ocean Lake and Palmer, and, you know, back in the day, Yes, and uh, Kansas, you know, and, and you would always speak about Nectar in the same breath as, as them. And they all gave us, uh, they all gave us, like, guest star appearances on songs. We'd get a solo out of them, or, you know, a musical contribution out of them. 14 songs, and, uh, uh, you know, if you want to find out about it, it's uh, it's on my brother's website, which is vogerland.com, V as in Victor, O-G-E-R-L-A-N-D.com, and it's, uh, it, they're 10 bucks, and every penny goes to uh, to the fight against spinal muscular atrophy, and it was a uh, labor of love. We, it took us six years to do it. Everybody we asked to be on it said yes, and uh, we learned so much, and uh, had, you know, had, we got closer, just had a great time, and we, we, we think it's worthwhile to listen to it. It has some great performances on it. Yeah, you can go to Vogerland.com, ladies and gentlemen. You can uh, take a look at all the artists there. Um, remember, 100% of the proceeds go to Stevens Walk. You could uh, send them an old-school way of doing things. You can send them a check in the mail. That was actually a way, ladies and gentlemen, of purchasing things back in the day. Uh, shipping and handling comes out to be, I think, around $13.50. Um, also this weekend, if you're in the New Jersey area, you definitely got to get on down to the Groovy Graveyard. We got a whole bunch of people coming in here. Um, it seems like a great event. Um, I was really pleased. I guess it was like a week or two ago on um, Instagram, I, I came across the poster, and right at the top is the name Mark Voger, and I was like, oh man, this is this is cool, you know? Like I, I love that New Jersey in particular has so many great like uh, events like this. I mean, monster events, uh, awesome yard sales, comic book events. Here in Philly, there's there's a couple different things that go on, but it just seems to me that New Jersey has always been in touch with pop culture. Um, and, you know, as, as a pleasant surprise, you know, I'm glad that we were able to uh, get this podcast in the can here, uh, in the Bobcast Network. Um, what do you, uh, what's your plans for the future? Are you working on another book? Yeah, Bob. I, I, like as we speak, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, because I'm Irish and superstitious. I, 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 um, I'm still playing my cards close to the chest, but um, uh, I, I have a, another one coming out probably next year, and it'll, uh, it'll be another uh, 192 page book in color. It's definitely a follow up to Monster Mash, but it's not about monsters this time. And uh, I just uh, killed myself for the last year working on it. Still not ready to, to, to. Say it out loud. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you, Bob. I'll, 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 um, I'll tell the Bobcast. I'll just tell you the title. The title is Groovy. That's the title. I'm digging so it. So I've told you a lot already. That's like, you know, that pretty much tells the whole thing. You can picture the whole thing just based on that one word title. But, I, uh, I love it. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch with, you know, let you know how that's coming along. Yeah, we'll do another podcast when uh, that comes out. Um, the website, ladies and gentlemen, is markvoger.com. You can purchase his books through there. You can check out his awesome blog. Um, you still write for various newspapers as well? Yeah, I, still, I write for the, uh, the Star-Ledger, and uh, I work in Edison, New Jersey, putting out pages for the Star-Ledger and 
six other dailies, you know. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, it, it, I'm, uh, I'm going down swinging, Bob. I love it. Definitely check out Monster Mash. It was the 2015 Rondo Award for Book of the Year. I'd like to thank my guest, Mark Voger, for coming on the Bobcast. Bob, I'd like to thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll definitely have to do this again, tune you back into the pop culture of today while paying respect to all the things that came before that shaped and molded myself and you and countless other listeners out there in the Bobcast world. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks to Mark Voger. Check him out this weekend, Groovy Graveyard. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. Bobcast.